you have to keep taking those risks in order to like push forwards because otherwise if you're afraid of making mistakes you're just not going to get anywhere it's impossible everyone's going to make mistakes and you want them because then you learn from them and the earlier you make the big mistakes the better If you are new here, hi, I'm Patricia and this is Caught Off Guard. But before we get into this episode with Connor Walker, I'm going to need you to subscribe if you're not subscribed already. You're going to love this episode and you're also not going to want to miss some of the other episodes. Welcome to the Caught Off Guard podcast, the podcast where no topic is off limits. My name is Patricia Bright. I'm a content creator on YouTube, a self-proclaimed entrepreneur and founder of The Break Platform. On this podcast, we're going to have some amazing and successful guests who are all trailblazers in their own individual field. From models to business owners to founders, experts and influencers like myself. I'm going to find out what it's like to be there, what makes them tick, laugh and how they got to where they are. And I'm even going to be brave enough to ask them what's in their wallet. As they say, honesty is their best policy and hopefully you're about to be caught off guard. In this week's episode, we are joined by the ultimate boss, Connor Walker, founder and CEO of House of CB and Mistress Rocks, one of the youngest and most successful entrepreneurs in the online fashion retail business. This episode is all about making decisions, learning how to set boundaries and what it's like to navigate business as a young woman. In this episode, Connor also takes us to school and breaks down the practical steps involved in creating a successful fashion brand using House of CB as the blueprint. And I think her insights are applicable to anyone who wants to be an entrepreneur today. So I want to give a shout out to vkazoo123 for your review that you left on the Apple podcast because you asked for us to have Connor Walker on and we listened. If any of you guys have opinions, you want us to get people on, you just want to tell us what you're thinking, leave a review on Apple podcast and we will be listening. Hello guys and welcome to another episode of Caught Off Guard. I am very excited today because we've got the most amazingly talented Connor Walker. Now if you don't know about her, you really do need to know about her and I'm going to list off some of her accolades but hello Connor, it's lovely to have you on today. Thank you for having me Patricia, I'm excited. It's currently, what time and where are you? 10 26 in the morning and I'm in LA. But you're British born East London gal. Yeah. We love we love to hear that. I'm I'm a South Londoner. I'm always repping South London, but we'll, we'll take East London well, as well. Yeah, we'll make it work. <laughs> it it definitely counts. So listed on the 2019 Forbes 30 under 30 list, today Connor is founder and CEO of House of CB and Mistress Rocks overseeing everything from design to marketing and branding. Her flagship brand, House of CB, has a huge celebrity following, including Beyonce, Rihanna, Kim and Khloe Kardashian, Kylie Jenner and Jennifer Lopez. Can we just pause and just go like, wow, just like, wow, this is just amazing. Thank you. 
She's also the founder of Mistress Rocks, a fashion brand that originally started as a failed jewelry brand. Not only being the successful businesswoman and entrepreneur, Connor is very focused and passionate about giving back and investing in women. Her project CB Women for Women invests in small grants for women founders. Similarly, she's been quite vocal about causes related to domestic abuse and Black Lives Matter and also pledging £20,000 and 15% of all profits in June to several organisations related to Black Lives Matter. In addition to this, she's also working on an internal design scholarship for Black students. Connor, you are really out here doing bits. I'm sorry, I like to recite what people are doing beforehand just so people who don't know you get to know what you're about. And what I love is that balance between business boss babe, but also this this other side that, you know, from your actions shows where your heart lies, which is also, I'm presuming, in helping out women as well. Yes, yes, thank you. (laughs) You're, You're doing bits, we love it. Okay, so I'm going to start off. Let's let's warm up. Let's shake it off. And we're going to do the ice shaker. So do you feel like you slash House of ZB has any genuine competitors? No. <laughs> it's okay. I don't, I don't really feel that. like that. I feel like there are some good brands that are similar that are like maybe not as well known. But from an arrogant point of view, I don't think anybody's competing. It's okay to be arrogant. We love it. How do you say looking snatched and flawless every day while being a business owner? Because I know that's really hard. Yeah, I don't. I don't. It's a lie. What you see on Instagram is not real. (laughs) I only post when I like do my makeup during quarantine, which is very like few and far between. I put lashes on today and I was like, this looks so strange. (laughs) That you're not used to seeing yourself with a face of makeup on, are you? Love that. Yeah. Why is it important for you to call out brands that constantly try to copy your designs? I feel like we've we've had brands that copied us and, and obviously some parts of it is just like fashion. It's just how fashion goes. I tend not to really call people out unless it's like a huge thing. Like if they've co- mm-hmm. copied a bunch of stuff and it's super obvious. If it's just like one or two pieces, then I'm just like, ah, whatever. I don't really care. But yeah, I mean, it's it's part of the industry, I guess. It's just kind of how it goes. And it's a form of flattery as well. Yeah. To an extent, right? Yeah, exactly. What you're doing is good. Yeah. I mean, we're always a few steps ahead. So by the time they've copied whatever, we're on to our next thing. Ooh, we love it. If you could only wear one House of CB or Mistress Rock's outfit for the rest of the year, what would it be? Oh, for the rest of this year? I should say, actually, for forever. Let's do forever. (laughs) Let's make it harder. Okay. (laughs) I was going to say for the rest of this year, we've got some really cosy stuff coming. But um, for the rest, like forever, there's actually this old dress. I don't think we even make anymore. And it's a green satin dress. And I can't even remember the name of it, but it fits so well. It's like my Mm. just go to. Even if you're like not feeling great about yourself, when I wear it, I'm just like, okay, yeah, I look good. Okay, I like this. So you still have this in your collection then? Yeah, yeah, I have like four of them. (laughs) (laughs) on rotation like just in case we love that okay what do you think the future is for high street fashion brands I feel like it's just all the stores need like a change just as with anything else as with like you know life people die and new people are born and I feel like now is a bit more of a regenerative time for the high street 
time for stores to like level up their experience in store and maybe time for like new brands to come in and take over those spaces and let kind Mm. of the old guards go so even though we're seeing a lot of brands like close down or stores close down I feel like maybe it's just their time to go and it's time for new people to come in for sure like out of the ashes comes like the phoenix so I think there's definitely a lot of change out there so I really want us to delve in and find out more about yourself I think most of the girls who will listen to this podcast or watch this video have an idea about House of CB, know the clothing, have seen the brand around, but don't know so much about you as a founder and your behind the scenes. So tell us a little bit more. You're an East London girl. Share what it was like growing up and if this was even the plan. I guess it was. I never really had a plan. I started when I was like 17. I was still at school. I was doing my A-levels and my dad was like, you need to get a job. My dad had been saying he needs to get a job for so long. And I was like, <laughs> fuck off. The pressure already. <laughs> yeah. And then at 17, I was on, um, they were importing furniture from Asia. And I used to go on business trips with them all the time. And I just saw some products that I really liked. And I was like, I want these slash I could sell these. So I borrowed 3000 off my dad, which I was really, really lucky to be able to do. Um, and then I put them on eBay and they, they sold from there. So at first it wasn't really like a definite intentional, this is what I want to do. Like, this is my lifelong dream. Yeah. But then once I started, I just, I guess I had like a natural, I don't know, uh, a natural talent for it. Um, and yeah, I just kind of went from there. And then after a little while, I was like, I can make a brand. Like I can do my own thing and, and build a real brand. And that's kind of what I did. What I love about your journey or, you know, this is a confession at this point in time. I'm sure that I definitely bought one of your dresses on eBay back in the day. I'm confident of it because (laughs) eBay was a little bit underground and I didn't like, I didn't have enough money to always shop, you know, on the high street at Topshop. I couldn't afford Topshop at the time when I was like younger or even where else did I like to shop? I don't know. I couldn't afford some of these high street stores. And I used to get really amazing dresses from like two key buyers, like UK people who sold these really unique dresses. And I'm very sure that it was definitely a House of CB dress like, back in the <laughs> days for sure. And like, they were definitely like random ones in China, but I remember them yeah. being really amazing and things that you couldn't catch in store and people would always ask you where are these pieces from yeah I always wanted things that like I wanted for myself and I've always said that I feel like I am the customer so when I was picking them I was like oh I love this like you can't see this anywhere else you don't find this anywhere else so yeah that's kind of how I started and then when I was younger as well when I was like 10 I used to draw wedding dresses like all the time like okay I would my parents had a furniture store or a secondhand store I can't remember which one it was then when I was like 10 and I would go there before and after school and I would just sit and draw wedding dresses which is so strange because I never cared to get married like I've never had this dream of like being married and stuff I just really liked the dresses and I would just sit and like draw the dresses and that kind of thing so I guess it there was something there already but maybe I just wasn't aware of like it wasn't like a clear-cut decision of what I wanted to do of how to channel it yeah. I find that this is the case for a lot of maybe entrepreneurs or people who want to think about doing something. They think they're going to have like the clear idea of the brand or what they're going to do like right now. But usually it takes a bit of a journey for them to end up somewhere in a Definitely. roundabout way. 
Definitely. I feel like the the kind of journey we've taken isn't one that I really expected to take either. And it's just kind of each year as I grow, the brand grows and my direction for the brand changes as I develop as a person as well, if that makes sense. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. What was the brand originally called? I can't remember. It was... um, Celebutique. Celebutique. Okay, yeah, yeah, definitely. (laughs) I remember those days. ASOS was called As Seen On Stars, I think, at the same time it was when I was at uni they might have started a little bit before me I think but yeah around the same time it was I've seen on stars there was a whole like I guess there was a whole thing of no I mean celebrities have always been a big deal but I feel like that's when celebrity style really started to become something that people like looked up to um, sure maybe more than before and yeah I guess the the name was to to kind of capitalize on that yeah celebrities were definitely the ones that we were into although I don't feel like we had the same like reality culture then as we do now but there was definitely yeah, something agree. about like Cheryl Cole yeah I think she was like the gal that Cheryl we Cole and then. I feel like it was when like the Kardashians and stuff were like coming up and Kim everyone was like oh Kim is so like I love her style whatever and yeah. Um, yeah now now it's changed a little bit again I think so you didn't go to university, you didn't study to do what you're doing because no. you kind of knew what, well, not that you knew what it, you wanted to do, but you had something. So did you plan to go to university before this happened? So when I, I started when I was 17, so I had started my A-levels and I did my A-levels and I applied to some unis um, and I got in, but I just, felt like actually that's not really what I wanted to do and I just wanted to carry on with what I was doing which I think now if if you gave me that decision now I don't know if I would have done the same thing I feel Mm. like I don't know if that was braveness or naivety to be like don't go to uni just keep selling stuff on ebay (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) so but I mean I come from entrepreneurial parents so I think that um risk factor is already embedded in me yeah but I also feel like it's not bad to go to uni either. I think it's just, you know, whatever works for you. Mm-hmm. I think there's nothing wrong in learning more, but there's also nothing wrong in being able to just go and take a chance. But like I said, I was also lucky. Like I lived at home. I didn't have to pay rent, nothing like that. I didn't really have any responsibility, not any real responsibility. So if I messed up, I think I remember feeling like I could take this as like a gap year. And then mm-hmm. if I didn't work out, then I could just go to uni after because exactly. I had I was in I had my offers um but I was just like this doesn't really appeal to me and then a year came around and I was like I'm good <laughs> <laughs> I love I love that and I think the benefit of doing stuff when you're young you can do what you want to do you can actually take a lot of risk at the time and I, you know I went to university I love university I think education is essential but I do think that there's different ways that people can get um education but you were literally deep diving headfirst into running what you were doing basically I mean yeah for me it felt like it felt like a right fit so I was like I'll be fine um but I also feel like I didn't give it that much thought (laughs) it just felt like a natural decision yeah and I was like yeah and then (laughs) even now which is so strange in my old age (laughs) you're still in your 20s you're not old (laughs) you just got a lot of experience at this point in time I feel old (laughs) um yeah even even now like randomly like once a year I'll have like a nightmare where I go back to my school and I keep 
skipping classes and like mm-hmm. I I don't like finish school. Oh, I always I wake up in a panic and I have it like once or twice a year and it's so weird. So random. But I never had that until I got older and then now I'm wow. like, why do I care about this now? <laughs> yeah. Have you ever thought of going back or doing like an MBA or something like that? I don't know even why I'm asking that question, but I can imagine you might, you know, think about it. I actually was considering going to do like a course, not maybe actually physically going to uni, but doing like an online course or whatever, like yeah. an at-home course um, to do psychology. And then mm. everything just got busy and I was like, I don't really have the time. But I would probably like to do that maybe when I'm older just to... Just for the sake of learning, right? Yeah. And I also feel like in terms of business, an understanding of psychology is actually really important. Like at least a basic understanding because everything is like business deals and how to sell to your customer and all those kinds of things. And all the underlying um, understanding of those is how humans think and behave and work. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So as we mentioned, you started off, you know, at... Um, 17 and you've grown and you've grown and I'm presuming that you've had to interact with people who are lots of men at some point in time people are a lot older than you how have you navigated being a young woman running basically an empire and have you ever felt like am I even able to say what I want to say or or equipped enough to do what I want to do um when I was younger I feel like I had a lot of people like um we used, uh, we decided to do a TV ad and we used this company that like produced the TV ad for you and, you know, help place like where the ad's going to go, that kind of stuff. And all the things I was saying, not all the things, but a lot of things, the things I was saying, they were like, no, that's not how it's done, blah, blah, blah. And I remember distinctively like a guy telling me, um, this isn't just about making pretty pictures. And oh. I was like, okay, well, <laughs> oh my gosh. And I was like fully aware of that, but pretty pictures sell. And um yeah, and just in general I feel like you'll often find that people don't really take you serious and you really have to go above and beyond to prove yourself. But the good thing is, at least when you are your own boss, is that you don't have to ask anybody for permission. So I've managed to build a team over time that believe in me, I believe in them and like we have a, a, a understanding in our workplace that it's not like this old man way of doing things. There's been men that like are kind of sleazy and look at you a certain way. Really? And then there's men that oh, feel gosh. like you are just a young girl that doesn't know what you're doing. Yeah. And there's been instances where I've dealt with those situations and I've never really felt like I couldn't say what I wanted to say or do what I wanted to do. But that's also because I'm in a position where I am my own boss. So if I don't like how you, you're in the position yeah, of power, exactly. basically. I can say, I don't want to work with these people or I don't want to work with this man or whatever it might be. Whereas a lot of women don't have that, that opportunity if they're working within a company or, you know, they, they need to kind of figure everything out. So yeah, you still face it. And I feel like now as the brand's more known, I have become less polite in terms of business stuff. Like I'll tell you exactly what I want and what, the, the deal is and you know if you can't meet me there then that's fine it's true do you think that that's a necessary part of business because I find that you know I myself I find I'm very polite but sometimes it doesn't get you the results that you want and sometimes you do have to be more direct yeah. is something is that something you've had to build or you felt like you naturally had 
no I think it's something I've had to build and I do that in my general like personal life as well I'm a bit of a people pleaser um, and I'm less so a people pleaser in business but still sometimes like if you don't particularly like something or whatever sometimes you obviously don't want to offend the person but at the same time like it's business if it's not a right move for you then it's not the right move for you um, but it's definitely something I've worked on and and like intentionally worked on to not just be like okay yeah that that will be fine when it's not fine (laughs) it's not fine yes it's so true oh my gosh like just that like it's fine yeah agreed like no is a power word yes and it's not a bad word either and obviously I'm not saying run around being rude to people but you should have clear boundaries in everything in your life your personal life your business and if you feel like no like this is my budget that's it or uh, no, I want it to look this way, that's it, then you should stick by that. Yes. Um, but it is really hard to to do that sometimes. You're like, okay, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Less okay and more no's. That's what we want to have more of going forward. Yeah, and now I'm just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So have you had any business failures before house or cb became what it is today i mean i feel like we have failures all the time and you have to failures is like a broad term but as long as you learn from it i don't feel like it's a failure like you said earlier mistress rocks was a failed jewelry line before it was a clothing line and then just in general day-to-day of things that sometimes you'll make mistakes and you're like oh i guess that wasn't exactly it and you know we try like different products and stuff and sometimes they fail and sometimes they're amazing we try different shapes but that's all in evolving your brand and yourself. And you have to keep taking those risks in order to like push forwards. Because otherwise, if you're afraid of making mistakes, you're just not going to get anywhere. It's impossible. Everyone's going to make mistakes. And you want them because then you learn from them. And the earlier you make the big mistakes, the better. <laughs> yeah. So make mistakes along the way. And actually, I feel like with the Mistress Rock story, I don't know if you can get into that a bit more because I think... If, you, if it was a failed jewellery brand, but it actually became something successful, this is an example of doing the pivot. Do you mind like sharing more into how you would have done that? Yeah, so for me, it was like I tried to do this jewellery and it just wasn't, it, people didn't really like it and that's fine. Yeah. And, and then I just kind of left it alone for a little bit and then I was like, I want to do a clothing line that's a lower price point, that's more casual, that's more everyday. Um, and I was like, I can use Mistress Rocks. And it's just the case of sometimes, like, I think you have to be, for me, I'm, I'm very hard on myself and I critique myself a lot. Um, but I think that that's a good thing for me, at least. Mm-hmm. In that if I'll be like, this product isn't good enough, you have to be realistic. Is this product good enough? Is this imagery good enough? Um, is this something that people actually want? And Am I running this well enough? In so many different aspects, I feel like you have to you have to critique yourself and you have to be realistic. And at the time, it was like, okay, this jewellery isn't working. They don't like it yeah. or I'm not managing to, to sell it, whatever it might be. And there's nothing wrong with changing direction. I feel like we started as yes. neon bodycon dresses and now we're doing <laughs> floaty florals. Like <laughs> we- Wild. So true. Yeah. So true. I love that. Yeah. I feel like what the the essence that you keep of your brand like for for my for house cb it's been that everything's very feminine and it's meant to make you feel sexy and powerful um but the the sexy and powerful side doesn't have to be something exact it doesn't have to be a super tight dress 
It could be a floaty dress. It could be a blazer. Mm-hmm. It can be whatever it might be. You should never feel like this is what I've started and this was what how I wanted it to be and this is how it has to be. If it doesn't work, then you yeah. should be open to being like, okay, what's not working about it? How can I make it work? And that's how your your business will survive. I want to get a bit specific because maybe I I know that fashion is something that women connect with a lot. And when I speak to like my followers and my community, I know so many people want to run or have a fashion brand. It's like the ultimate goal for a lot of people. And I think that they don't recognize necessarily what the process is. So I'd love for you to take us to school for like, give me five minutes or something. And like from beginning, middle, end, like what it looks like. So from the drawing board to whatever. Okay. Wow. I'm like, there's so much. Where do we start? So I feel like to begin with, you need a good product. And that good product can be something you design yourself. can be something you you purchase, um, like wholesale or whatever. And people ask me all the time, like, how many pieces do I start with? And that's literally like asking how long is a piece of string? Like, are you doing a model where it's like some brands do this thing where you place the order and then because they want to be... Um, they their business model is a little smaller and they want to be more sustainable then they they order it after you've purchased it which then may take like two or three weeks to get to you okay are are you doing like a fast fashion brand are you doing a mass market brand are you doing luxury are you doing limited releases there is so many different ways of doing it it's like entirely up to you and people always ask me that question and I'm like you can start however you want for me I started with um like five pieces of each model which is like the style yeah and then it went to 30 and whatever else and then now we work in collections we never used to work in collections um we drop things every Monday when I started I would just release things as I got the delivery of them so there's so many different ways you can you can do that but you need to kind of decide what your target audience is what your price point is and have like a a clear at least initial direction So you can be like, I want to do a luxury brand. So I'm going to keep my numbers lower, my price point higher. It has to be, you know, super, super, super good quality, that kind of stuff. So yeah, product and how that product kind of sits in the market, I feel like is super important. Then is your brand story, which links to how your product sits in the market. So for us, for House CB, we're all about women empowerment, which everybody says now, um, but we do put our money where our mouth is. And, yes, love that. <laughs> and our stuff is meant to make you feel like feminine and sexy and strong and uh, part of our brand story is also me being that same person that we designed for as well and the brand story doesn't have to be about yourself like I never put myself in the front of the brand for, for years mm-hmm. and you don't have to put yourself in the front of the brand it's not necessary um, but you need to have a brand story so that might be that you're sustainable it might be I don't know whatever it can be a bunch of stuff but it's basically your basically a reason behind the brand that you've created like what's the point of it yeah exactly and everything you do should then go back to that so then if you're like is this on brand for us does this work for us you'll be like well does this fit most of our things so for us it's like female forward making women feel good like you know just being like high quality so if we did a collab, do those, does that personal brand or whatever it might be also tick most of those boxes? So you need to always have that as like your brand DNA. And then after that, it's 
imagery and how things look and you really have to like you have to sell the product this is you're selling the product through your phone or through the computer screen and if you were to sell something to somebody in person you wouldn't just be like here's the dress <laughs> crumpled on a hanger somewhere like not cute yeah yeah exactly you you have to sell it to them and ways of doing that is like having an Instagram feed that's cohesive and your brand voice that connects to your brand story like runs through it um and doing and imagery doesn't have to be expensive imagery like our imagery that does the best on at least on our Instagram is um iPhone imagery not the campaign shots so it's just being creative especially when you're starting out with like little to no money you know using your friends and just doing like a, a good little shoot that really works for your product I feel like it's about connecting all of those together for the brand side and for the like the front facing side then behind that is obviously the business side which is super important and you have to price your product accordingly you have to be like is this a realistic price point for the product and selling you have to look and see like if you're not designing it yourself you have to be like well where else has this product is that the same target audience? What's the price point? And you have to make your numbers work. And I feel like you, the obvious basic stuff is that you sell for more than it costs you. And like <laughs> you say that, that. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, that is one of the biggest points of business. You want to actually make a profit, but not everybody thinks about manufacturing costs and then the selling costs and all the costs associated. Please share on that. Yeah, you have to like, it's not just like, okay, this costs me X amount for the manufacturer, you have to get it to you, you have to send it out, you have to maybe have an office space or somewhere in your house or somebody to pack it for you, people to answer questions. Um, And then when you're designing and stuff, you have to pay for your team, you know, your designers, your everything. So Um, this is all overheads. Yeah. And you have to kind of know to cover all of that in your price point because more than anything else a basic line is just that you don't want to be spending more than you're earning and that goes for everything in every part of your life (laughs) um but I feel like a lot of people kind of forget that part and then they're like oh this didn't go as I expected exactly (laughs) you haven't been listening to what you're doing (laughs) (laughs) and so for yourself how did you get your first sale And do you remember that? And do you have any advice for anyone who's trying to just get their first sale? So my first sale was through eBay, which at the time I feel like was a different kind of platform than it is now. I feel like before eBay used to have a lot of people selling like new stuff. And now it's a lot of like maybe secondhand stuff or like random things that I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, eBay was the best. Yeah, you used to shop on eBay for everything. Yes. Um, and I feel like maybe it's not really that place anymore. No. But that is where I started, which worked out great for me because obviously at the time, people would go shopping on eBay. Like you said, you would go shopping for a dress. You'd be like, bodycon dress or whatever it might be and look at a bunch of different bodycon dresses on eBay like it was a store. Yeah. And so that brings customers to you basically for free because you don't have to pay anything aside from the fee when you sell something to be on there, um, which is a little more difficult than sorry which is a little easier than having your own website and trying to drive traffic to that website but Mm -hmm. at the same time then Instagram wasn't like a big thing yeah yeah it was just you know like 
starting to become mainstream, I think. And now, obviously, you can drive a lot of traffic through Instagram, which you couldn't really then. So, yeah, my first sale was on eBay. I can't remember exactly what it was. It must it must have been a dress. But I was at school, and I had a – I'm 98% sure I had a BlackBerry. And I used to, like, be on my BlackBerry at school, like, answering the eBay questions. And I'd be I like, oh, got a sale, like, refreshing the internet. <laughs> got another sale. <laughs> yeah, that's so good. So, yeah and so it was on ebay for a while and then i moved over to my own website i built my own website um and i was saving all the ebay email addresses which they're like you're not allowed to do but whatever and i put all my prices as like maybe 10 pounds cheaper or something on my own website so that it would encourage them to migrate from the ebay to the website but that took like a year or so wow did you build the website yourself I had a tech guy do it, but I taught myself super basic code. So I could do like, I was doing graphic design at school. So I would do all the banners and stuff myself yeah. and then write in the code and like change basic things like color of text and like yeah, basic, basic stuff. You say that, but the skills that you picked up from doing that is very valuable because even now I, I can do basic coding and HTML because I was a blogger and back in the day we all had to do the coding ourselves on our blogs whereas like these kids nowadays you know they've got Wix and Squarespace in it and it, they just drag and drop no but we were like writing um WX HTTP like pressing buttons and dash this yeah we were literally writing code but I actually found that now, whenever I want anything done on a website, or if I need a project sorted out, I can go and look at the code and I, I kind of understand what it's saying versus someone who has no clue. And it kind of gives you a little bit of an edge. So you were able to move fast because you didn't have to wait for someone else to do everything for you because you had a little bit of skill there as well, which is kind of sick. Exactly. And you do just have to like teach yourself it because, you, you know, I mean, the internet has everything. It tells you everything. Like I remember searching like how to change HTML text, like the color of the text and things like that. So super basic, but it was enough for me to have a website that looked okay. Now looking back, it looks pretty shitty. But (laughs) (laughs) It was good for them. It was definitely good for them. So here's an interesting question. What if Instagram was to go down now, how comfortable would you feel about your customer base and you know your continued business well we've been well we've been doing this I've been doing this for 10 years so we've built up a really good customer base and like a really strong customer base a lot of our customers come every Monday and check what's new a lot of our customers repeat purchase um so I feel like we would be fine we would be good but saying that I love Instagram. Like I love Instagram for brands. It's such a good way of reaching new customers and just keeping in contact with your customers. Um, and I'm sure if Instagram went down, there would be something else. Obviously, before Instagram and social media, there were people would spend more time on like print ads, so magazines, that kind of stuff, um, True. TV yeah. ads, you know, all that kind of thing. But you had to pay for that, and social media is free. Well, cheaper. yeah (laughs) I love that so you come up with a lot of your designs and I know you also have a team Mm -hmm. um you must be very busy so how do you manage kind of being the overseer Mm -hmm. and the team but also the stress and everything that involves is involved in running a business I feel like 
I kind of enjoy being under stress. Like, I work better when I'm stressed. <laughs> and I feel like my team, if they listen to this, they probably don't even care to listen. But if they did listen to this, they'll be like, yeah, but you're stressing us out. <laughs> um, <laughs> but for the most part, I feel like I do work a little better under pressure. Um, and I don't necessarily not enjoy it. Sometimes it gets a little too much. When it gets to like, right now we do, well, actually we've done our Christmas collections. Now we're doing Valentine's. But when it's Christmas collection time, so from like when we've designed it to seeing the samples come through, I just start getting really, really um, finicky and like overly selective. And I always end up stressing myself out every time, like super stressed out. Like um, two years ago, I spent like a month crying in my office. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you still cry. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, But (laughs) I feel like it's something that comes with the job. When like for kind of high rewards, there's high risk, there's high stress. I'm sure yes. the same with you. Your job is not easy. We not It can all, look yeah. easy on the outside. It can look easy on social media and stuff, but your job is not easy. And yeah. it can be really stressful, especially being self-employed. You have to, like, no, if you're not making your money, then you're not getting any money and that's it. Who's, who's putting, yeah. who's doing it? No one's doing it. I'm doing it. I can't look at anyone exactly. to help me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I love um, that. So I feel like, entrepreneurship is a skill like anything else like playing football or being a singer and part of that if you if you want to be really good at anything for the most part it's going to come with a lot of stress if you know you're high up in some huge company it's going to come with a lot of stress and so you just have to deal with it I guess and that's just how I see it to myself like when I'm stressed out I'm like you just need to deal with it like you just need to fix it figure it out and move on from it that's not to say to overwork yourself and like put yourself in a grave. You should definitely take your time out and like time to refresh. And sometimes if I'm just having a creative block, I need to just like cut out, dip. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. I was going to say, um, I love that you said that you spent almost a month crying, right? <laughs> so I'm a crier. I, I cry as well. I broke down on a phone call because I couldn't explain how I wanted something to be designed, right? For yeah. like the website. And I was like, I just want it to look good. And I remember thinking like, I'm not meant to cry like in front of these people, not these people, but that I'm the one at the top. If I'm breaking down, like what they're probably thinking, what the hell is she doing? But it's part of the process. I think it's when you're really passionate about what you're doing. And even if you are CEO and if even if you are the leader, like it's okay to show emotion. Is that something that you've ever had difficulty doing or you just roll with it? I am not a big shower of emotion publicly. So okay. around other people, I'm like, nope, everything's <laughs> good. <laughs> and then I'll like walk into a room and be like, <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I'm not a huge show of emotion in that sense. Um, but I don't think that's a bad thing to be. Um, I think you do have to be mindful not to scare your team and to worry them. Um, but I think it's important to, to not be a statue as well. And, and the showing emotion goes both sides when you feel emotional and maybe when your team feels emotional, you need to be able to, to kind of read the room on both sides and be like this, you know, this is this situation. We're going to deal with it this way. 
And I think there's a difference in showing emotion and just being like a mess, if that makes sense. Okay, so I'll avoid messy moments. No, you're good. (laughs) No, I think, I think like a little cry sometimes is fine, but it's just, you don't want to worry the people that if they work for you, do you know what I mean? You don't want them to like, be like, oh, are we? (laughs) (laughs) Should we be be worried? (laughs) But yeah, no, I mean, I'm sure there's been plenty of times I've gone into my office and they're like, oh no, she's not in a good mood. She hates all of this. And there have been times I'm like, I... I'm stressed. I don't like any of this. We need to redo it all. And then they're like, wow. okay, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I have redone collections many times. <laughs> I want to talk about balancing relationship and it doesn't have to be romantic, but balancing a personal life while being an entrepreneur, because, you know, I've got two kids and a husband and I, you know, have to learn to balance it all and it's difficult it's really hard so how do you find running it all and also having a personal life I feel like yeah like you said it's difficult sometimes you're gonna be really busy sometimes you just haven't got time for everyone but I think it's just a case of setting aside specific times to be like this is when we're gonna do this this is when I'm gonna work the the lucky thing for me personally is that now House of CB is at a level where a lot of things are kind of not automated but don't require as much attention as like when I was younger it was like my whole entire life like I didn't have another uh, life aside from just work and that's not too different now but now I do I can afford to have more personal time whereas I couldn't before Mm -hmm. but balancing that is difficult and I feel like people do have to understand depending on where you are in your life for example, I don't have a husband and kids. So if I had kids, I wouldn't be like, guys, you just need to understand. <laughs> I'm <laughs> going to be gone for a month. <laughs> oh, not happening. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think depending on where you are in your life is where you figure out, like, right now I'm, I'm, I can be selfish. I can be like, no, I need to go and do something. I'll be gone for a month. I'll be doing this, that, X, Y, Z. And the people around me kind of have to just accept it. Yeah. But at the same time you still have to take time out to make sure you're at least trying you know um Mm -hmm. and I guess not everybody is going to be for you some people can deal with it some people can't and then I feel like the right people will help you balance that well like a lot of my friends are, are all super smart women with like really good jobs or entrepreneurs that kind of stuff and so we all understand each other that Sometimes we've got loads of time and other times we don't have any time and nobody gets offended by that. I love that. Yeah, and it's good to find like like-minded people. And then in terms of relationships, I tend to only date guys that don't have to do a nine to five because I know that I don't really, it won't work for my schedule because mm-hmm. sometimes I'll be like, oh, I haven't got much on this week. Let's go do something. Let's go do something in the day. So I tend to pick guys that don't have a nice five because then I know it will work better for me. All right. So in this section here, I'm going to do some quick fire questions. This is a drop and give me 20. Whatever answer feels like the right answer for you, just say it off the bat. Don't think about it too much. Okay. So early starts or late nights? Early starts. First club you're going to when the pandemic is over? Tight. First thing you're wearing to the club. The sunset dress from the new collection. Last book you read that you loved. The subtle art of not giving a fuck. 
Biggest career highlight so far? I think it's going to be Beyonce wearing House CB. Favourite makeup brand? Maybe Hourglass. Facials or skin peels? Both. Skincare product you can't live without? My facial lady makes this toner herself and it is amazing. It just like clears out all my skin. Ruth Skincare, it's great. She makes it herself. Would you rather be liked or respected? Respected, I think. How do you stop yourself from procrastinating? Oh, I am a serial procrastinator. I'm not good at stopping myself at all. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's fine to procrastinate if you're productive afterwards. I'm like, you need that downtime. Yeah. Finally, the title of your autobiography would be? Take the risk. We like to talk about money over here in a variety of ways, not just give me your salary. <laughs> but yeah, let's let's talk about money in a way that feels unapologetic. So can you tell us about your CB4 Women Fund and why you started it? So I started it because, like I said, I started with a three grand loan for my dad. And I just felt like I'm in a, I was in a, or am, was, whatever, in a super privileged position to be able to do that. Obviously, so many people can't do that. Um, some people can't ask their parents for money and so many people mainly women don't get bank loans they get refused a lot uh venture capitalists also I think the amount of women-owned companies venture capitalists invest in is something like 10 percent. it's like super low I don't know the exact ridiculous I know but it's super low and I just felt like I was in a position to help um other people other women that may have good ideas or whatever and just don't have the opportunity to to be able to um do anything about those ideas and I feel like if somebody had said to me at 17 or 18 um you know like if I had to go through to a bank or had to go to a venture capitalist or something nobody would have given me the money and I was just lucky that I could get it from my dad so I felt like it was important for me to be able to put that back and support all the women that had supported me over 10 years and be able to start some other companies as well and you know they don't have to be specific to fashion or beauty or whatever but yeah I just feel like so many people have such talent and no or little opportunity and it's just important for us all to do what we can at least to to try and balance that out. I love that. The balance is really essential. We've done something similar with a fund called the Breakthrough Fund as well. So we really want to be able to provide financial opportunity to people who just don't seem to have the resources to start something great. Yeah. And there's, like I said, so many talented people that will never be able to achieve those things otherwise. And then it's just such a way. Yeah, for sure. So what's the most expensive thing you own? that you don't regret other than like house and stuff no yeah let's forget houses okay (laughs) Um, let's forget houses and cars okay houses and cars out what is the most expensive thing I own that I don't regret oh a watch a watch okay I just bought myself a new watch and it will be delivered soon (laughs) what about an expensive thing that you do regret that you're like, man, I shouldn't have spent my money on that. Actually, funny story. The first Chanel bag I ever bought, I bought in an airport and I was running late for my flight and there was a Chanel bag I had seen and I was like, oh my God, like, I love it. But I was like, the Chanel bag's expensive. They're like five, 6,000, something like that. And I was like, I really want this Chanel bag. And it was like this 
weird bright pink color it was like pretty not like a hot pink (laughs) (laughs) and I was at the airport and obviously tax-free in the airport so Mm -hmm. I was running late and I went through security all that stuff and I saw Chanel and then I was I went to Chanel and I was like do you have this bag and I showed them the picture of the bag she was like yeah yeah I have it and I was in such a rush and she showed me this bag and I was like okay yeah I'll take that and I was like okay and then I went on the plane and then I opened it up because I was so excited and it was the wrong bag and Uh, it wasn't she didn't give me the wrong bag she didn't give me the bag I had asked for but what she showed me was what she gave me but it wasn't what I wanted but because I was such a little greedy pig (laughs) and in such a rush on my plane that I was like yeah yeah that's the one that's one like I was just like yes I want it like and I didn't even check it was like the wrong color like this was more orange and it had different quilting and I don't know why I was just like yeah yeah yeah, that's the one I think I was just excited in a rush anyway I got on the plane like I said opened it up and I literally just cried the whole plane <sighs> journey because I was like this was such a greedy purchase like who the who spends this on a bag it was so unnecessary oh, the wrong bag yeah and I was like it was so unnecessary it was like not needed this is so expensive you shouldn't have done that And I was just like disgusted in myself. (laughs) And then I like, because I read the receipt and it was like no refunds. And I was like, oh my God. (laughs) I shouldn't laugh, but you know, oops, definitely a financial mistake. Yeah. And I was just like, this is so greedy. But (laughs) the moral of the story is take your time and make sure you really want it. And it's the right one and and that kind of thing. But I was just like, this was so unnecessary. And this is what you deserve for just behaving like that <laughs> yeah and rushing through a purchase always think about a purchase yeah 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 would you say you're good or bad with money I'm pretty good I'm not a crazy spender I don't feel like I don't go shopping that much but then when I do go shopping like recently I've been shopping so much online and just buying a bunch of clothes because I'm bored in my house and just like oh new bag oh <laughs> <laughs> this will be nice when we're eventually allowed out <laughs> How do you approach budgeting and setting financial goals for yourself? Is it something that you think about or look at? Yeah, definitely. I feel like I like to give myself a wage. um, And my wage isn't my wage isn't based on how much I can afford, but how much I think is fair and reasonable for me to be spending and to not really go past that unless it's super necessary. Maybe it's like a big purchase, a car, house, whatever. But yeah, I think that it is really important to budget yourself in general. Um, and also just things like silly, not they're not silly actually, just if you can afford to just put a few, like a few pounds a week even aside just into your little savings account every week and just do things like that. I think it's good to build those habits and good to just, you know, not always feel the need to like spend on buying new stuff all the time. So yeah, budgeting, I try and keep to, budgets in my personal life and also in like our shoots and our advertising spend and whatever else we keep to our budgets um and yeah like I said before the the money side of the business is super super important probably more important than anything else so you just have to have some discipline because a lot of the times when you have a brand and you see maybe all this money coming into your account you have to remember that that's actually not the money you've earned because it's going to go back out. You've got bills to pay. You've got to buy more stock if you want to grow, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, super important to do that. I love that. 
Right, well, it's been amazing talking to you. I wonder if you have a takeaway that you want to share and maybe a thought you would give to 17-year-old Connor today. Thought I would give 17-year-old me would be to stop dating guys. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Go and waste your time. (laughs) Yeah, don't waste time. Just forget about them. No, I think it would just be to um, really enjoy the process and don't expect to have all the answers at first. I feel like a lot of people ask me, like, when am I ready to do that? Like, I don't have X, Y, and Z. And really, you should just do it and, and you will... Um, evolve and grow and learn as you go because there's no way to get from where I was to where I am now like straight away it's impossible and it's the same for your career as well when you started you you wouldn't necessarily do the things you can do now and vice versa Um, so I feel like it's super important to just get started and even if things aren't perfect if you're waiting for it to be perfect it just won't ever be all right, Connor, where can people find you? Could you want to share your social handles outside of House of CB? Or do you want everyone to be like, just go and follow House of CB, basically? I mean, you can do both. Mine's at Connor Walker and House of CB is at House of CB and at Mr. Drop. Thank you so much for listening. And we're not done yet. If you like what you've heard and want to hear more, please don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, on Amazon, or whatever you're listening on. If you like the Court of Guard podcast, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. Please share the podcast on your social media or in your WhatsApp groups and let me know your thoughts on what we've discussed using the hashtag Court of Guard Pod. Follow me and The Break on Instagram and YouTube and you can just Google me. Also, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps more people find us. And I'd love to know what future guests you'd like me to interview and what topics you'd like us to discuss. So keep all your suggestions coming. I read all your comments and I really appreciate your feedback and support. So until next time. Court of Guard, presented by The Break Platform, is an independent podcast created and hosted by Patricia Bright. The producer and executive producer is Clarissa Pabby.